Support for Renewable Radio comes from Quantum Insulators, LLC in Belfast, serving Midcoast, Maine as licensed dealers of the Isonian Insulation System, healthier, quieter, and energy efficient. More information at 1-866-578-WARM or www.isonian.com. Support for Renewable Radio comes from Harvest Fuels, Midcoast, Maine's full-service bioheat oil dealer, offering biofuel blends from natural, renewable resources for oil heating systems. Information at harvest at midcoast.com or 236-4172. It's just a few seconds before 10 o'clock, and you are tuned to WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 102.9 Bangor, and streaming online at weru.org. Talk of the Towns with host Ron Beard is up next. Good morning and welcome to Talk of the Towns here on WERU. We try to go beyond the headlines to make sense of the issues facing Maine communities to share what works to seek alternative solutions. Talk of the Town is produced with support from Cooperative Extension, the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine with offices statewide. Cooperative Extension puts knowledge to work with the people of Maine, and like WERU, whose mission is to be a voice of many voices, operates out of a sense that everyone benefits when we share our knowledge, our experience, our concerns, and our perspectives. We're about to practice the magic of community radio, in which those of us in the studio, and you who are listening, create a dialogue that we hope will be a benefit to our friends, our neighbors, and colleagues. I hope you'll stay with us for the next hour and talk of the towns. Breaking bread together is one of the longest traditions of civilization, feeding the body and the soul. In many Maine communities, this oldest tradition is responding to the question of hunger and real gaps left by our economic system and our government. Our program this morning will feature organizers of some of the area's free community meals, the Simmering Pot in Blue Hill, Common Good Soup Kitchen in Southwest Harbor, and Everybody Eats in Ellsworth. So I'm glad to welcome our guest this morning. Hadley Freeman is here with us from the Simmering Pot in Blue Hill. Welcome to you, Hadley. Thank you, Ron. Um, Larry Stetner is here from Common Good Soup Kitchen in Southwest Harbor. Welcome to you, Larry. Thank you very much, Ron. And Frank Donnelly is here from Everybody Eats in Ellsworth. Yeah, thank you, Ron. First of all, perhaps each of you could give us a thumbnail um, kind of sketch of your programs, um, starting with Hadley. Uh, what is the Simmering Pot? Uh, the Simmering Pot, uh, our, our technical term is the Simmering Pot Community Created Suppers. And what we mean by that is uh, community is actually creating these suppers. So uh, I have been leading these efforts, but we have a growing number of volunteers right now preparing scratch-cooked meals, wholesome meals, and we serve them every Monday uh, at the Blue Hill Congregational Church on Main Street, and we serve from 2.30 to 6. And we are open to the public, so everybody is welcome to our suppers. Um, and we serve a variety of different soups and casseroles, homemade bread, butter, sliced cheese, fruit, and anything else that uh, the volunteers feel like preparing that day. Great. Um, how about uh, you, Frank? Uh, how does Everybody Eats work? What's the basic premise for Everybody Eats? It's a free community meal. Um, for anybody who wants to come and eat every Monday between 3 and 6, um, and, and we serve the uh, Ellsworth and outlying area, and we have a, a nice volunteer base. 
and we're serving, I'd say, 75 to 100 meals every Monday between 3 and 6. That's okay. And Larry, um, a little bit of background on Common Good Soup Kitchen? Well, we've actually gone through a couple of phases. Starting last February, we basically were delivering soup to a senior residence and then gradually to other individuals that basically were kind of stuck in their homes. Mm. Um, starting November, we added to that Every Friday from 12 to 2, we have what we call soup events, which are soup with live music down at the former Seawall Dining Room in Southwest Harbor. And starting tomorrow, we're adding a once-a-month Sunday community supper from 3 to 6 as well. Great. So each of you have, have these uh, programs that have been going for a variety of times. What led you to get started with this? Um, Hadley, um, I remember talking with you early on when you had, had already operated Simmering Pot, but you were interested in doing something in Ellsworth. But what led you to get started with all of this? Well, I think I had joined the Tree of Life Food Pantry Board uh, at some point in 2008 and was spending time there on Thursdays volunteering mm. And I had a, you know, when I would leave my post at the pantry, I would go down to work at the co-op, and I had some discussions with a coworker uh, about the possibility of starting a hot meal program because I thought I knew, I recognized that the economy was recessing, mm-hmm. although at that point it wasn't called a recession, and I thought, I think it might be time. And so Brendan Murray, who was my coworker, uh, we approached the tree of life at that point and said this is what we would like to do Mm. we would like you to be our organizational sponsor and they agreed and so now we're a project under the tree of life so we're um, a program that helps to augment their services Mm. and we also approached the congregational church at that point because we felt that that was centrally located in the community and they had a a great kitchen and a great space to work within. Mm-hmm. So you basically coming out of your your volunteer work with uh, uh, the uh, basically the food pantry, pantry. through your area, mm-hmm. you saw an additional need that wasn't being met in the community. That's correct. And I also, I think at the time, um, I felt I had some internal conflicts about some of the food that was being provided at the pantry, which... Uh, some of it was convenient food and Mm -hmm. some of it was processed food. Mm -hmm. So I felt that if we could have a goal of preparing scratch-cooked meals with wholesome ingredients and trying to source locally, which we Mm. aim to do, Mm -hmm. um, we might be providing a better quality food Mm. Mm. for people that are already feeling compromised. Okay. So, Larry, when when, uh, you got started in November last year, what led you to um, use this? You had a kind of an interesting facility there. Well, it was actually February that we we got started. And there's two words to how I got started. It's very different from Hadley because she had, you know, community concerns. The way I got started is just two words, Chef Bill. Mm. Uh, Bill Morrison is a friend of mine who is, in fact, a master chef. He found himself unemployed and decided, rather than moping around, I'll start making soup. And now that I've got the soup, I guess I'll find some place to give it to people. This is exactly how it happened. Uh-huh. And, he's, and somebody said, why don't you give it to the senior residents? They could really use it. Gave it to the senior residents that we have in town. Other people started hearing about it, started making their way to his kitchen and saying, old Joe down the road needs soup. Pretty soon we got a whole soup delivery thing going. Uh, he starts talking to me about it, you know, maybe we could take it a little further, and that's really how I got involved. And one of the things that is, is 
it's similar to Hadley, one of the things that really interested me was the quality of the food that Bill was producing. Mm. And he was producing basically all of his soups and salads out of whole grains and vegetables. Um, and part of his mission and mine has been to get really healthy, nutritious food out to folks and also local food as much as possible. So that's been part of the, and that was very attractive to me. So mm. once I got on board and then it was just, I was on the roller coaster for the ride. <laughs> and how about the Seawell dining room? That's a fascinating um, uh, story in itself. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're scratching around looking for a place with uh, not a lot of money. Uh, lots of people had places, but they had no kitchens. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, actually, Bill ran into Dave Lloyd, who owns the Seawall Motel and Dining Room, had not been operating the dining room. Bill said, we're looking for a kitchen. He says, I got a kitchen that's looking for a person. Mm-hmm. And that's how the whole Seawall Dining Room thing happened. It was last, last summer, early, early last summer. Great. So now we have this really wonderful location. Great. Well, Frank, how about you? How did you get started? I think that Hadley had something to do with the Ellsworth project getting started. Yes, Is that she right? did. Well, I mentioned, along with some other people, last February to uh, Joe Cooper at Faith in Action. Mm. I had mentioned one day that I thought we could use a, a food project, a soup kitchen, so to speak, in the Ellsworth area. And she said I was the second person that day that had mentioned it. Hmm. So she kind of facilitated a meeting, and we... Uh, a group of people from different backgrounds met in May. We had a couple of meetings facilitated by Ron. And, um, and our first meal was June 8th. And uh, there, was some, there was some great tension in the room, uh, <laughs> I remember. Um, there was a, the people who really wanted a full plan. Right. And others, and I think, Frank, you were part of it. Let's just do the meal. Right, exactly. And, and what, who, 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 who won? Well, we did. <laughs> Thanks to Ronnie, reached in and, and grabbed a $20 bill and threw it in the table. And we joined in, and, and we're off and running. Uh-huh. And, and, and I, I forgot to mention before, we do from scratch cooking also. Mm-hmm. We all try to have the same kind of uh, philosophy, I think, all three soup kitchens or eating programs. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to get away from the word soup kitchen. Um, to have, you know, good, wholesome food. Mm. And hopefully turn people onto a new way of eating, mm-hmm. more nutrition food. Mm-hmm. And and at that time, you reached out to Hadley, or Hadley reached out to you to kind of say, "Can we can we learn from what you've already done?" Yeah, me and a couple other folks, and Julia and Marion, we went down to Blue Hill on one Monday and worked with uh, Hadley at the uh, simmering pot, simmering pot at right. the Congregational Church. And our meal, I forgot to mention where it's at. We rent the kitchen space in the dining room every Monday between 3 and 6 at the Dun- at St. St. Dunstan okay. Church on 134 State Street. Great, great. We're a non-denominational food program. Okay. You're using the church, as Hadley is using a church, but right. um, the program itself doesn't have anything to do with, with, with people having to belong to that church. Right. Nothing to do with churches. Right, right. Well, what do we know about... Um, this kind of the people who are using um, your kitchens who are coming, participating both as volunteers and, and kind of patrons, I guess. What do we know about poverty and hunger and, and those kinds of food security? Those are words that are banding around. What's the situation that you're kind of in touch with in Hancock County? Hadley, help us with that. And then, Frank, I think you've got some statistics that we could pull out. But Hadley, you get us started. Well, I, I the simmering pot, um, as a rule of thumb, we... You know, there's no questions asked. You know, mm-hmm. the only question that we ask is, what kind of soup do you want to have today? Or how many servings do you Good. need to take yeah. home? Yeah. Um, but I, you know, we're often asked the question, are the folks that need it 
coming. Mm -hmm. And I feel very hesitant to describe what need is because it's something different for everybody. But I think maybe a good baseline right now to maybe give the listening audience an idea of some of the terminology that's thrown around as we're putting grants together or when you're reviewing um, statistics, uh, you know, there's three catchphrases that are used often, food security, food insecurity, and hunger. And food security would be um, all people are able to access a sufficient amount of food for an active and healthy lifestyle. And they're able to access this nutritionally adequate food in socially acceptable ways. Food insecurity would be limited or uncertain availability of these foods and an uncertainty of how you're going to access that food, maybe in not so socially acceptable ways. Mm. And then hunger, we're not talking about hunger as in famines or natural disasters. We're talking about specifically, I think, in these areas, cycles of hunger, which are related to um, the economics of this area, which are seasonally tourist-driven. Um, we're right now in the lean months, which I personally have to make daily choices of, you know, I have a certain amount of money right now, and I have this many bills that need to be paid, and I have to sort of kind of figure out how my budget's going to uh, address those issues. And, and you're talking about as a person, not as the... Co- I'm talking as a, right, uh, as right. a person. Yes. And then there's the community right. that's experiencing this. Because as far as I can tell, there's not um, a vibrant year-round industry that keeps us all employed. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> uh, so people do, our friends and neighbors have to make these choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I think that might be helpful because these are words that you might see in the newspaper on the front line, uh, front page, like, you know, food insecurity hits an all-time high. Well, what does that mean? Or the lines at the food pantries are growing. Well, of course they are because the economy right. is continuing to recess. So so the, the notion that if you have to make choices between which bills you're going to pay. Medicine, medicine heat, or transportation, yeah. And food, that creates a situation where you're not very secure about where, right. whether you're going to get good food or food at all. Exactly. Right, right. Frank, what are some of the statistics that you kind of use as, as uh, um, everybody eats kind of looks for grants and looks for community support? Yes. Um, every, every day, one in ten, men, ten, excuse me, 10 main residents will suffer food insecurity, which means food for them is not affordable due to insufficient income, not available not knowing where to get their next meal will come from, not adequate for sustaining good health. Some of the statistics here in Maine are 19,375 Maine children are hungry, an additional 64,000 are at risk of hunger, 18% of Maine children under the age of five are food insecure, 14% of Maine households representing 175,000 people experience food insecurity, the number of Mainers that are food insecure have increased by more than 15% in the last two years. And one of three jobs in Maine does not pay enough to cover the basic needs of family of three. Mm. So those are pretty sobering kinds of things when you kind of take that into account. Right. Larry, you started out thinking about um, where to get this soup into people's homes. And Correct. you started with um, older folks. But wh- what else do you know about the community that you're serving? Well, it, it's, it's definitely a you know, a broad spectrum. 
And that's kind of what we aim for. Mm. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about that. Um, and uh, I'm more convinced now that we really were on the right track. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, you know, you, people do raise issues. You know, does everybody that's coming, are they re- do they really need soup? <laughs> and, you know, are there, are there people that get soup for free that don't really need it? And are the people that really need soup, you know, are they comfortable coming down to your place? And, you know, those kinds of questions. And right from the beginning, we were like, we're not going to ask people if they really need it. This is a community program. So I'm going to tell you what happened. Um, the people that were delivering soup, it was pretty obvious that they needed our services. Those people were isolated. They're all the people they couldn't get out. And, you know, the families weren't around in the winter to help them mm-hmm. as much as they would be. They would really look forward to not, it was soup with soul, we were calling it. We weren't just delivering soup. We had people that would spend time with the people. We were very lucky. The volunteers who brought soup were also people that sat down and talked to people. Mm. And, in fact, we had one. It was a very telling moment. Uh, one of our volunteers one day was very busy and stopped off at an older woman's house that she'd been going to. And she said, you know, I'm sorry, Myrtle, whoever she was. Um, I really don't have time to talk today. I'm just going to drop off the soup. And she said, well, if you don't have time to talk today, don't bother. Just come back tomorrow <laughs> when you have the time. Right. Okay, so that's telling you what was more important. Sure. Okay. It, was, it was a double thing. Yeah. So we know there's a need for both the social contact mm-hmm. and, you know, some extra food, nutritious food. Um, there are people that said, you know, I really feel great. After I get your soup, I feel so much better for the next couple of days. So it was a quality issue. They might have had something in the fridge, mm-hmm. but they didn't have what we were offering. Mm. Now, when we went to the soup events, we really wanted to recruit people that, you know, we knew would, you know, be a little bit more on the edge or, mm-hmm. you know, get let those people know that's what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And so I, we went, three of us went down on the first Sunday of November, which is when the West Side Food Pantry that operates in Southwest operates. And they're really not a food pantry, it's a misnomer. They start as a pantry, they're basically a food voucher program, a local food voucher program, totally locally funded. And people get vouchers, they can use them in any one of the three local markets, mm. which also keeps the money in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first of November is when the first time people can get their vouchers, all mm-hmm. right? Uh, and there's over 100 people there getting mm-hmm. vouchers in a town of 2,000. Half of them are probably in Florida now. Okay, but, um, uh, so that's a pretty big percentage. Mm-hmm. All right, so now we're sitting, as they come out, we're sitting there with our flyers, mm-hmm. and we're about to tell them about it. And they come out, and we start to tell them about the free soup thing. And you can almost see the look in their eyes, like, hold it, I just sort of humbled myself mm-hmm. and stood online to get a voucher for $100 or $250, depending on the family, and now you're telling me, you're going to give me a free bowl of soup, okay? And when we explained that it wasn't about uh, some handout for poor folks, but it was a party for the community, which is the way we look at it, and that they were just invited to be part of that party, mm-hmm. their eyes lit up. Mm-hmm. So then we said, you know, we are on the right track. And right. a lot of those people ended up being volunteers for us mm-hmm. as well. So that's, you know... We're serving that that need for community and the need for food at the same time. It's not separate the way I look at it. Right. We'll come back to that theme. But, you know, I can hear listeners saying, I thought government was taking care of this. Um, (laughs) What's your response to those kinds of things that, oh, I thought we have a food stamp program. I thought we had meals delivered for elders. That isn't doing it, is it? I would invite people who have that image or um, who believe that the government is handling the gap 
to maybe participate in the pantry or at a local pantry or um, to travel to any soup kitchen. I mean, we stay away from using the word yes. soup kitchen because um, from what I find in Maine, the New Englander sort of stoic uh, attitude is it's we don't need any help. So uh-huh. I think we all strive to stay away from that stigma. It's a supper. It's a free supper. You're more than welcome to put in a donation if you can, but mm-hmm. it's not necessary. Um, it, the government provides food. Mm. And in my humble opinion, some of it is not necessarily food that I myself would enjoy eating. I mean, uh, some of it's high sodium, there's preservatives, it's um, highly processed. So I think that, yeah, it serves a certain need as far as calories, Mm -hmm. but it's not whole. It's not necessarily healthful. And it also isn't sourcing local ingredients. And that is an issue too. Fresh is by far better Mm -hmm. choice than Mm -hmm. canned green beans or canned beets. So um, unless you're canning them at home on your own, but um, they serve a certain purpose. And incidentally, they're also supposed to be supplemental programs. And at this point, I think we've sort of hit the crux and it's not just supplemental anymore. I think folks are using these sources to basically um, provide food for their families so that they can use their cash to pay other bills. Mm -hmm. So it's not a supplemental program any longer. I mean, people are using these programs for grocery shopping, Mm -hmm. which is a state, is something, a statement being Mm -hmm. said, Mm -hmm. being made. Well, let's find out. um, I'll open the phone lines in a few minutes, but let's find out how your your operations actually work. Um, uh, Larry, you said it started with a chef, but now what's it look like? If we were to go there on Friday, this is is Friday, right? So you're going to have a a community event this day. Well, if if you came in on Friday, which, by the way, in a couple of hours, people will be coming in, including me. Um, And it turns out, by the way, my wife is one of the biggest fans. She has the best time of the week is when we go down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would walk in into a you know, big sunny room. There'd be somebody playing music. Uh, and there would be crock pots lined up on one side and salads lined up on the other. There'd be three or four volunteers telling you what to do. Uh, you you know, take whatever soup you want. You take whatever you know, salad you want. Take whatever bread you want. There's people to help you out if you can, you know... Uh, you confuse and you sit down and just enjoy a relaxed afternoon. There is a donation bowl if you care to put money in, but there's no suggested donation or anything like that. And so you'd experience sort of a good time in the afternoon having soup. So that that's that's that that's the experience we're really trying to provide for people. Mm-hmm. And and um, in the, in your case, you've got a, a chef who's kind of doing the no. food ordering, okay. or how did, how did that Oh, well, that's evolved. Now, he was doing that he, for at a while. the start. Okay. We now have a whole volunteer chef program. And if, if, if you were a volunteer, which is the other part of it, you would show up on Thursday and become what we call the choppers, okay? Mm-hmm. And so there'd be, there, we have one person who's coordinating, another volunteer, Jonna Lee Ross, who's been in the community forever, mm. uh, and she coordinates the volunteers. We have volunteer chefs for that particular week. They know what they need, and you know somebody's doing carrots, somebody's doing onions. So you'd walk in, be a bunch of people around chopping, somebody to tell you what to do, and that's how you do the volunteer thing. The other volunteers show up on Friday to help with 
dishes, service, and all of that. So you, you become part of a group that's mm-hmm. going to produce this event on Thursday and Friday. Great. Hadley, how does it work for you at the Simmering Pot? Well, regrettably, we're not quite that evolved <laughs> yet. Uh, and it's funny because it'll be a year that uh-huh. we've been um, doing this program since last January. But anyway, so on uh, Monday, uh, you we would show up. Generally, I show up about 10 o'clock and sort of get all the ingredients out on the table. And then um, we do have um, some real strong volunteers that have been showing up for several weeks now, uh, Sandra and David and Katie and Annalisa and a couple of other people. And they come about 10.30 or 11. And that's when we start chopping. Um, so uh, I might should start to think about maybe making it a two-day operation because sometimes – we run under, you know, these stressful situations like, are the beans cooked? But so we put the two soups together, um, and then we start serving at 2.30. And P.S., we do have a piano there, so we could certainly accept volunteer musicians at any point. Uh, but we try to put the radio on, and we try to create— W-E-R-U, I hope. Uh, yes, <laughs> most definitely. But we try to create a really warm, peaceful environment because mm. um, it's really— you know, you have a lot of people who pour a lot of love into preparing this food, so we also want people to feel um, p- at peace— enjoying this food and we encourage people to stay but we provide containers for people to take home or and we try to encourage take it to your friend or your neighbor or somebody who can't get out mm. um, who can't make the trip so i'm going to come to frank and everybody eats in just a moment i'll remind listeners that they're tuned to talk of the towns this morning um, we're talking about community meals b- building food security and connections in our communities hadley freeman is with us from the Sivering pot in blue hill Frank uh, Donnelly is here with Everybody Eats in Ellsworth and Larry Stetner of the Common Good Soup Kitchen in Southwest Harbor. Um, you can participate as well if you'd like to give us a call at one 625 9378 as we talk about free community meals. But we do have a caller online. Go ahead with your question or comment. If you could tell us um, uh, your first name and where you're calling from, that would be great. Yeah, hi. Uh, my name is Zafra. I'm calling from Belfast. And I actually work at the co-op here in town. Uh-huh. And I had a, I had a comment um, about the, the government uh, supplemental nutrition programs. Um, one is that the food stamp program, fortunately, provides the opportunity to purchase any type of food that's eligible, um, which is pretty much everything in, in our co-op store, um, which includes whole foods and organics and et cetera. Um, the, the real crime to me is the WIC program. And um, <laughs> that program is limited by manufacturer, and it's, it's limited by manufacturer contracts with the government. Um, and it excludes whole foods. And it excludes organics. And it excludes a lot of the things that I think most people would consider healthy. <laughs> um, and so that, I think, is you know, what, what, the, what the speaker was discussing before about the, the lack of, of healthy options. And to me, that's, that's a, a, a real form of food insecurity when... When quality food is not available, not mm. just calories, not just, you know, more uh, inorganic, pesticide-laden, GMO-laden corn and soy products. And I, part of this rant is that I just watched Food Inc. last night. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> yep. yep. Well, yeah. if, anybody, if anybody out there in WERU land has not seen it, then I would highly recommend checking that out, and you will probably change all of your eating habits. 
Great. But certainly, you know, especially the meat industry and, you know, the foods that are available on the WIC programs in the meat industry are, are probably some of the most dangerous foods that are out there. Mm. Well, thank so, you. Okay, the, that's great. But thank you very much for, uh, for, for running this program. Thank you very much for your call and keep up with your good work at the um, Belfast Co-op. Um, 1-866-625-9378. Uh, you can participate this morning as we talk about community meals. Uh, Frank Donnelly, how does, how does it work for everybody eats? So you, what, what kind of pattern of volunteer and, and uh, patron inv- engagement do you have? Well, we start off every Monday with, a, oh, I'd say about four of us, a core group. Of, it changes, but there's usually three or four of us that are every week. There are our head chef, that is Julia Ventresco, who's also the president of the board and has been very instrumental in pushing this program along. And Marianne Wells, and, and we have a lovely dining room that Marianne puts a nice classy touch to with tablecloth and a centerpiece usually every every week. And we prepare the food, and it's usually from scratch cooked soup. Occasionally we have like a lasagna, we've had fish chowder, and uh, we always have bread and a fruit salad and a, or a coleslaw or a tossed salad and uh, desserts, which Julia sometimes complains about was they come from leftovers from the grocery stores, lots of chemicals in them, uh-huh. but tasty. And then we have an act, we, we, we do, we're from there, 10, 30, 11 to 3, and we start serving at 3, and an afternoon shift comes in for the serving of it. I'm usually, I haven't really partaked in any of that. I'm usually on the, on the morning uh-huh. shift. Um, and we're done by, we, we start off at 3 to 7, and then when the time changed, we went from 3 to 6, uh-huh. which I think was working well for us. And um, and in terms of how you're organized, you, each of you have primary um, a chef kind of crew and a volunteer crew to, to make sure that yeah, volunteers serve, come in. Yeah, to, to serve and clean serving up. Serving crew, and, I would yeah. say so, yeah. Yep. Yeah, serve yep. in the afternoon. And, and what about your organization? Uh, Frank, you mentioned uh, a board of directors. Right. So you've gone ahead and, and created that kind of organization. Right. We have nine people on the board, and Hadley being one of them. And we get together once a month. And uh, talk kind of make the policies talk it over, and, right? And uh, and are you connected with another group as a fiscal sponsor? Yes, we are. We got sponsored oh about a month and a half ago under the uh, sponsorship of the WHCA Washington Hancock Community Community, community Agency. Agency. Yep. So we are under there. We can get money under the five hundred one C three umbrella. And we did a bunch of mailers here at Christmas time that we sent out to people and looking for money. And people donate at the uh, every Monday at the meal. There's a little suggestion box there mm-hmm. and a map that we try to get people to pin so we can get an idea where mm. they're coming from. And we can always use money. <laughs> and, you can so send what, what? It, and you can send it to P.O. Box 776, Ellsworth, Maine, made out to Everybody Eats. That's great. What about the money situation? How how do you kind of what's your overall budget, Hadley? In terms of do you have an overall sense of what it costs per month to to do this work or per year? And how, how do you raise that money? Well, I so in March of last year, March two thousand nine, we applied for a grant. It was a food security grant that was being administered through the Community Health Alliance in Blue Hill, and we received uh, some seed money, seven thousand dollars. Uh, to execute this program. And the way that we had written the narrative was 
on the one hand, we were addressing food security directly by providing a meal. Indirectly, we were addressing food security because we had a goal of um, using 50% of our purchasing power towards local producers, fishermen, farmers, orchardists, cheesemakers, bread makers, mm. and the list goes on. And we struggle with that only in the sense that, you know, as we're trying to build our cadre of volunteers, it, it has fallen on me to spend time coordinating the ingredient procurement, going out and getting things, and sometimes I fall short of that. Mm. Uh, but we also receive donations on a weekly basis, anywhere from $80 to $150 in our um, small jar that we keep up front and out of the way because I don't need to know and nobody needs to know right. if you're putting money in or not. That's yeah. not the objective here. Uh, there's grants that we'll be writing for, and we can do that because we're a project under the Tree of Life, which is a 501c3 and did I lose so, sight yeah, of your question? No, that's great. And and do you have an advisory group? Or you, so we, I you... I don't, but okay. I do get a lot of advice, advice. <laughs> all the time. So, <laughs> um, which is wonderful. Right. And uh, but I sit on the board of the Tree of Life, right. and but more or less we run with a lot of autonomy. Yep. Yeah. Um, great. Uh, how about you, Larry? Um, how are you kind of structurally organized? Structurally, we do have a board of uh-huh. uh, five active, very good people. Uh, but the board it does what, you know, the proper role of the board, which makes policy. Yeah. The day-to-day operations are really sort of a triumvirate. It's myself, John Lee Ross, and Bill Morrison, the chef, mm-hmm. uh, and the other people that are involved in actually producing food for that week. And so we talk about, you know, what we're going to do. And that's basically how it's run. And then, you know, if there's policy things, we have a board meeting and discuss them. And as far as money raising, it's all been just local fundraising. We don't have any grants yet. And it's all local fundraising. We started off by doing fundraisers, you know, church basement, music night at the cafe, whatever. Um, and try to, every time somebody comes around in the summer, we try to get money from them. And basically, uh, my plan, which my, I call it my subversive plan, is to try to transfer money from the summer to the winter. And, and you had a great way to do that this, this year. How, we were very, well, that. yeah, totally lucky. Uh, because of, of the, the great generosity of David and Vicki Lloyd, who owned the Seawall Motel and were not operating the restaurant, uh, they provided basically... Uh, that space for us for very inexpensive um, rent in the summer. And we had free Wi-Fi from the uh, motel. We made coffee for people. It's a major tourist area. People stop by, have coffee, get use their computers, put money in the bowl. Uh, and then we had a few you know, fundraisers with music where we had lots of people come, and they put money in the bowl. And few people wrote some big checks, not many. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that money in the bowl over the summer... Is funding our program in the winter. That's great. I'll remind listeners that they're tuned to Talk of the Towns. We're talking about community meals, free community meals that are providing both food and soul um, to our communities. And uh, you can participate as well by calling 81-866-625-9378. We do have a caller. Go ahead if you'd give us your name and where you're calling from and then add your question or your comment. Yes, go ahead. 
Hi. Uh, I wanted to thank you for the program and um, uh, give a little bit of feedback uh, from the perspective of a, uh, an occasional user. Um, I've gone to the uh, Hadley's Kitchen there, or the, the kitchen at the church in, uh, in Blue Hill, um, fairly frequently now, and uh, I wanted to uh, just talk a little bit about my own situation that had brought me to it. I, I didn't come strictly out of need. Uh, starvation was not my, my alternative, uh, but I did come uh, because the the uh, event of that food being available on that day at, at that place was terrifically uh, convenient to me and the way my my daily plan works out on Mondays, which is a, a day when I, I meet with some other farmers in the area and we talk about uh, biodynamic growing and it's always been a problem how we're going to eat and talk at the same time. Uh, and it's usually fallen on somebody's shoulders to cook for a whole bunch of people, and then, uh, and then we talk, mm. and, which is sort of nice, but it can get uh, stressful, especially when, uh, in, in, the, in the main season when there's so much else that we all need to do. Um, and so it was very, very useful to me to be able to go to the kitchen and I did enjoy the food, of course. And um, the the interesting thing that I wanted to to specially remark on was that I hadn't really gone looking for community, <laughs> uh, but I was really surprised and continue to be surprised by how the community connection uh, seems to uh, manifest itself, uh, you know, uh, in spades, so to speak, at this at this situation. I think uh, just the occasion of giving the giving the the food and the and and the opportunity for community a, a space can bring it out maybe somehow or other. I don't know mm-hmm. how it happens, but uh, I I'm really impressed by and, and warmed, not to mention nourished by the you know the people that I've I've chanced to meet at sitting at the table. Uh, uh, next to me and maybe one or two other people from the study group. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm very enthusiastic about the whole thing, and I, I, I uh, we can come into it from many different avenues, That's right. I guess what I want to say. That's right. Well, thanks so much for your call this morning. one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. if you'd like to participate in this morning's Talk of the Towns with Hadley Freeman of The Simmering Pot. Larry Stetner of the Common Good Soup Kitchen, and Frank Donnelly of Everybody Eats, 1-866-625-9378. So this caller um, certainly brings out the fact that they're getting nourished, um, but they're also getting community connections. Um, What's been some of the other reactions that you've heard from people who are actually either volunteers or who are patrons of your kitchens? Frank, you've actually asked that question and gotten some written comment. Yeah, we put out some three-by-five cards and... For a couple of Mondays in November, and here are some of the comments from people. Economy is suffering. People are choosing between heating their houses and eating. We These are all separate um, mm-hmm. comments. We, issue, we enjoy meeting other people where I'm out of work. It helps with the grocery bill. We are very low income and cannot put food on the table. Our food expenses are the biggest part of the monthly budget, so we go without eating properly each month. This is a wonderful service, fills in the gap, keeps up the good work. It's really needed. 
I'm disabled and poor. This meal fills in a void in my budget, and I appreciate it tremendously. I enjoy socializing, making new friends, and sharing a meal. I'm a Vietnam vet, live off the grid, no water or sewer. I'm a single person who lives on disability at home. I rarely cook. I take a meal to go for my stepdad who does not get out. Mm. So mm. that's some of our target audience. And and I'm going to state how many meals at, at, at this point we've served. We've hosted 25 suppers, and we've served over 1,700 me- individual meals. And our volunteers have logged 950 hours preparing the meals. Mm. Wow. That's great. That's great to have those statistics because, um, you know, the community asks those kinds of questions. How about um, Larry or Hadley? What has been some of the other reactions that you've heard from your patrons or your volunteers about your programs? Start with Larry and then go to Hadley. Well, a couple of things. Uh, I think another aspect of this is that and one particular that stuck with me that a volunteer made last week and it's a woman who's been coming down maybe four or five weeks, and really helping out with what we call the front because mm-hmm. a lot of people come in at once mm-hmm. and it gets kind of crazy. And we really decide, you know, we really need somebody just out front helping that all happen. And she, you know, she has no restaurant experience or anything like that. And she kind of runs around pretty constantly. And after the brunch where we had 120 people and really could have been overwhelmed, she said, you know, I can't believe I was moving the whole time. It just didn't even feel like work uh, because I feel so good about what happened here today. So what we hear from our volunteers is truthfully that they're feeling they're getting more than they're giving. Mm. And in a certain sense, we are providing the structure so that people can give when they really want to, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But it, it takes a structure. You can't just decide, well, I'm going to go make a meal for 50 people. But if you've got a group of people that's organized to volunteer and everybody can do their bit. So the volunteers are telling us, we're really happy to have a chance to be able to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing is that a lot of our, quote, you know, client target population are also volunteers. And they're feeling really good that they can give something to the community. So that that's the feedback that we're getting from our volunteers. Mm-hmm. Adley, the caller a few minutes ago talked about a kind of magic that happens when you provide a space for people to come together and share a meal. That's what you've that's what you've you've created. I well, um, I'm happy that we did that and. I only say that because I tend to hide in the kitchen because sometimes I get shy. Like Bill. (laughs) uh, But we, like Everybody Eats, we, uh, over two Mondays in November, um, passively distributed a survey. And it was a really simple survey, anonymous, and it asked, in your own words, please tell us why you come to the Simmering Pot. And I just have a very brief statistical report that... Mm -hmm. uh, Another board member had put together, Jean, which, Jean, thank you. Mm. Uh, So in short, attendees use these key phrases. Nutritious and healthy, 73% of the time. Community, 89.7% of the time. Economy and budget difficulties, 44.7% of the time. Time or other obligations, 12% of the time. Use of local products, 10% of the time in their responses. And a mention of appreciation of what is being done, 36% of the time. And I'll just say, to put it in perspective, we distributed 50, or we we left on the tables 50 over those two Mondays, and we received 41 back. Mm. So it was a pretty high return rate of... Mm -hmm. I don't know, 80% or more, which um, 
I don't know statistics and surveying, <laughs> but somebody said that that was a pretty high return rate. That sounds rate. great to me. And yeah. people were happy to just give that information mm-hmm. back because I think the three suppers were interested in trying to use this type of information to affect change or to go to our policymakers and to and to illustrate to them that you know it's one thing to hand out food or distribute it through a pantry but then it's another thing to prepare the food in a loving way yep and serve it in a peaceful way <clears throat> and not have any criteria attached to that mm-hmm. you don't have to show your income tax return form in order to qualify because mm-hmm. I think we all know and recognize that it crosses all socioeconomic barriers lines people are making bad choices as far as food is concerned and I think all of us have a concern for community health which mm-hmm. um, and your survey responses say nutrition is right nutrition, up there at the top yeah they want yep. good food they want good food right right and this is really about um, what community has been about in years past it's about celebrating the harvest exactly, and yep. bringing people together to do that recognizing the work yep. that went into that harvest the work that went into preparing it and then celebrating together and you're providing these spaces organized spaces for that to happen well Hadley you just mentioned policymakers have you begun to talk about this with local government, with um, state representatives? Is anybody paying attention who might think about this as a way of, of relooking at the, the WIC program, what they're providing, or any other thing? Are we there at that stage where we can talk to policymakers? I think that local policymakers, and when I talk about local, you know, working with Healthy Peninsula mm. or um, these other organizations that are kind of vet out information about um, different avenues to access healthy food, you know, they do recognize the importance of these suppers and mm. what they mean. In fact, we had the Blue Hill Memorial Hospital two weeks ago sponsor the supper. And by sponsor, I mean they ran it from mm. beginning to end. And they provided the meal and they had their volunteers come in, headed by Sandy Smallage. And she had said that, you know, as a public health advocate or somebody involved in community health, you know, folks often forget about nutrition. Mm. And then this is Mm. a really passive way um, to help illustrate that nutritious food is not um, beyond your means, Mm -hmm. that healthy food isn't necessarily expensive. I mean, at this time of year, we use a lot of beans in all of our preparations, and dried beans are pretty affordable. And as our caller had mentioned, you know, if you have SNAP benefits or EBT benefits, that's definitely something that's covered. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was trying to point out that these types of suppers, these programs are a way to provide taste education, to allow people without any real investment Mm -hmm. to try new recipes, and then maybe to start asking questions like, well, how could I prepare that at home? Like, what, what do I need to do? And I think all of us try to prepare these meals simply, too. We don't prepare overly complicated, exotic dishes. Uh, specifically for us, it's because I'm, we're cooking the way we like to eat. So. Right. How about you, Larry? In terms of this notion that um, what you're doing might also influence local policy or, or larger policy? Well, it, you know, we're hoping that it will. Uh-huh. Uh, let's put it that way. We, we have, you know, we have bold plans. 
<laughs> shall we say, to influence larger policy. None of that has happened yet, mm-hmm. but we do have bold plans, and mm-hmm. uh, maybe we could talk about that another time. Sure. But um, I would say our influence up to this point is exactly what Hadley's was, is that our influence primarily has really not been in government, it's been on other service organizations. Mm-hmm. People from the hospital saying, yeah, wow, well, you know, you're giving it, maybe we can get some of your nutritious food for people that when, when they're released and they can't really cook for themselves, and we could get some of that healthy food. Uh, pe- nutritionists, people come down and say, yeah, you're really doing a good thing. Uh, people that run the senior residences mm-hmm. or the adult daycare programs or uh, Island Connections. Hey, now you have a place for our seniors to go. So we've had an impact on the community in that sense. So you're, but in terms of influence on government policymakers, not really. And actually, that's not really what we're looking to do. We're looking to truly be social entrepreneurs. If we're going to have an impact, it's going to be through what we do rather than through influencing legislation, per se. Okay. So you're like the, the pebble in the pond, and you hope the <laughs> ripples are going to go out, but you yeah. don't really care about where those ripples go. You just are concentrating on what you're, what you're doing. And I think that that's, that's um, what this community celebration is, is all about. Um, I want to see if there are other um, ways that you are thinking about um, what, what lessons have you learned about this process. Um, if you wanted to share them with another community that isn't doing a community kitchen, what advice would you give um, to listeners who might say, oh, I'd like to do that in my town? Any- I think really the best way... You know, I think all of us have been asked at one point or another, how did you do it? How did you start? Mm -hmm. Well, we can sort of give you that information bullet-pointed, but Mm -hmm. uh, it's project-based learning. I mean, really just spending some time at that particular supper and getting your hands dirty, you know, chopping some vegetables through osmosis. Mm -hmm. It's really a simple – it's not complicated, and it's, you know – Generally, you're going to want to attract volunteers that enjoy cooking and, you know, enjoy Mm. food and enjoy sitting down sharing a meal with one another because that will reflect in your food and also in the environment and the atmosphere of your supper. So So thinking about um, the, the people who you might attract, the place... Um, a place as is in any kind of venture probably is pretty important. Um, are there some basic requirements in terms of place? Um, a kitchen? Yeah, probably a good-sized kitchen, you know, for production purposes. I think at this point we're all preparing between 100 and 200 servings of food, depending um, on what we're on each week. So it has to be a lar- larger kitchen with storage and refrigeration and Um, a stove and burners and probably a location that doesn't uh, that that's generally open to the Uh community that Uh the community feels like neutral neutral ground definitely because you wouldn't want to disenfranchise anybody or make them feel uncomfortable we do have some time for uh, phone calls if folks would like to call us here at WERU and talk of the towns 1-866-625-9378 as we talk about free community meals with Hadley Freeman Friedman of the Simmering Pot in Blue Hill Larry Stetner of the Common Good Soup Kitchen in Southwest Harbor and Frank Donnelly of Everybody Eats Um, those phone calls will be welcome as we um, talk about how we might um, expand this notion of uh, food celebrations in our communities. I do we believe we have one caller. Go ahead with your question or comment, please. Hi, this is Robin from Brooksville. I just want to say thank you so much to everyone 
who's putting these um, the community dinners together, and a particular hello to Hadley and um, really support everything she's doing in Blue Hill. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for your call this morning. 1-866-625-9378. I suspect that, um, you know, these meals that we've been talking about are, we started with talking about nutrition, but they're doing more, as you've talked about. And maybe we can talk about um, those kinds of, what's beyond the food itself, what are you seeing? But first of all, I'll see if, uh, I think Frank had something he wanted to say. Yeah. We were talking about, we did this one day a week meal, Mm -hmm. In the Ellsworth group, in the foreseeable future, we're trying to find a location, if we get some grant money, mm-hmm. to hire some. Because everybody's volunteering. And, and particularly one of the volunteers puts in quite a bit of time, you know, organizing the food, thinking about what's going to be made, you know, doing the flyer, this, that, and the other thing, and not getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we get some grant money or more donations, we'd like to expand and we'd have to find a place to expand because most churches, you know, you can use their kitchen one day a week. You can't really, you know, hog the building, so to speak. Because I think there's a need eventually, well, there's a need now, it just hasn't happened, for an everyday food program in Hancock County. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether they can get there from Blue Hill or from uh, Goolsboro, Maybe down the road we can hook up the transportation people, mm-hmm. but there's a need, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's not going to get any better. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I won't mention anything about government, but just because <laughs> I won't. Um, <laughs> and I, I agree with Larry. You know, the more local mm-hmm. control we can keep out of it, keep the you know the government out of it, the better off we are. Mm. We'll talk a little bit about um, the the ways in which this is uh, filling a community need or a need for a community, um, as some of the callers have talked about, and at the same time it's providing some nutrition. Um, well, this, just like Dave said, you know, the, um, the socialization of it, you know, surprised him, obviously, mm-hmm. sounded like. And, you know, that's a big part of it, too, for some people. You know, they may, be, may not be in food security, insecurity at home, but they're, they're insecure at home. Well, it seems to me that what you're doing, again, providing this space for volunteers to come together and do some work, connecting with other members of the community who might um, have a need, that's what community is all about. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Say more about that if you can. Well, I mean, mean, that's it. I mean, right from the beginning, we saw that once we moved to a location, that was actually one of the reasons for wanting to have a place rather than just delivering right. the soup. Right. It wasn't really, we, you know, we really didn't have a vision that that was a better way to get out soup. You know, the, the, right. we, we've kind of think the best way to get out soup, really, in a sense, if that's all we're doing is getting out soup, is just deliver it. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to create community as well, and that's why we even, that's why we look for a location in the first place. A place that's come together, create something different than just, giving people soup. Tell, uh, us, tell us about your, your New Year's Day um, brunch, because that is kind of an extension of what you were Well, doing. yeah, and, and again, like everything else, it was partly an accent. We, we do have music for our live events, uh, for our soup events, and we were not going to have something. We didn't do anything on Christmas. We do everything on Friday. This year happens. Christmas came on a Friday. All right, everybody's going to do family stuff on Christmas. All right, now we have New Year's. We feel, well, gee, two weeks, but well, I guess we'll probably not do any New Year's. One of the musicians calls me and says, well, Larry, we're ready to come down and play. We're all 
revved up for New Year's. So I'm like, okay, Chuck, maybe we need to rethink this. This is Chuck Donnelly. Chuck Donnelly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Chuck and Emma, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Celtic uh, guitar and fiddle. Mm-hmm. Uh, next thing we know, somebody says, and this is this is community, uh, somebody, so-and-so said they've got a lot of extra eggs and they're getting their chicken farm going and they can sell the eggs cheap and it would really be great. Maybe we could use some eggs. Well, we don't use a lot of eggs in the soup program, but it's like, okay, New Year's Day, eggs, brunch. And that's how it happened, <laughs> uh-huh. okay? And, and we, we mobilized a huge volunteer force, much bigger than usual, to actually make eggs and do the whole thing, make eggs to order, the whole deal. And we got a lot of people that normally don't come to our soup events, and there was a lot of money in the ball. That'll give us a month's worth of soup out of that one brunch. Mm. So those, those two things, the things that you do in the summertime by having a cafe right. and kind of raising people's awareness, and then having this brunch was re- really is a community event, that's also raising awareness. Oh, abs- absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Frank? Yeah, speaking of events, before I, before I forget... I think the date is March 12th, but I'm not positive. Okay. That we're going to have a music Celtic event at the main grind on Main Street in Ellsworth, America. And, I, and Chuck Donnelly and other musicians are going to come play. And it might be more than just Celtic. We haven't you know, finalized the plans. And I'm not sure I don't have a calendar for me, but I know well, it's, we'll I, I think make it's sure March people 12th. Get that, yeah. But um, so keep that in mind. Yeah, and, and and Hadley, what are the ways in which you're kind of helping people understand that this program exists? What ways do you kind of spread the word? Oh, I think generally it's been word of mouth for the Simmering Pot, and uh, the Congro Church has been very mm-hmm. generous in allowing us to use their marquee, and we just have a sign up that says mm-hmm. "Free Meals Every Monday, two thirty to 6. Um Yes, I need help. So <laughs> you're on the radio. That's pretty good. <laughs> if you'd like to form a committee for social marketing, that would be wonderful. Um, but you know, I think it's becoming part of everyone's consciousness at yeah. this point. Yeah. So very shortly, um, we've uh, very briefly. What are your wishes for 2010 and beyond? What What are your hopes? Um, anybody got a hope for? Yeah, actually, my hope is that Hadley's plan that she proposed about two months ago become reality. And that hope is to have a central commissary and central procurement for all of these programs. It'll be much more efficient. It'll stimulate the local economy. It'll foster local agriculture. It'll take a lot of burden of the work of, that we're doing mm-hmm. and still allow for local control for each of us. So that's my dream, that that will happen in 2010. Great. Frank, hopes for 2010? Well, yeah, I've been talking with somebody also about that, about this local, you know, procurement warehouse, so to speak. There's a lot of the food banks around here, because we get money from loaves, not money, but we get food from loaves and fishes. Um, and our boxes sometimes get less and less because there's more people mm. showing up to get that mm-hmm. food. So the, the, solving some of the questions around food procurement would be your hope for 2010. Yes. Hadley, what are your hopes? Uh, I definitely share that vision. Um, but I think also... I think what would be great is for all of us to test our recipes for family size so that we could all mm. print and distribute them. And uh, it would be a great tool for folks mm. to have as they go to the grocery store, as they're at the pantry, to great. prepare meals at home. Great. Here, here. 
Well, thank you all for being with us. And we've come to that time when I want to remind listeners that this program was produced with support from Cooperative Extension and the Hancock County Extension Association. With offices in each county, Cooperative Extension is the major educational outreach program of the University of Maine. Our radio collaboration with WERU began in 1990 and continues with your support. Join us from 10 to 11 on the second and fourth Friday mornings of each month for Talk of the Towns. Our theme music is a medley from Coronach on a Balmain House Highland Music recording. Thanks again to our guests, uh, Frank Donnelly of Everybody Eats in Ellsworth, Larry Stetner of the Common Good Soup Kitchen in Southwest Harbor, and Hadley Friedman of the Simmering Pot in Blue Hill. Thanks to those of you who listened and called in with your questions and your experience. Thanks to underwriters. Thanks to Amy Brown for engineering our program. And stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. This is your host, Ron Beard, wishing you a good morning. Support for WERU comes from the Greater Bangor NAACP and the University of Maine, presenting the 2010 Martin Luther King Jr. Breakfast Celebration on Monday, January 18th, 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. at the Wells Conference Center at the University of Maine, featuring Rev. Dr. Phil Ertha as keynote speaker. Advanced tickets at 581-1428.